Good morning. Welcome to Mayflower Church, where we believe that faith is a journey. God is so good. Jesus saves. The Spirit leads us towards faith, hope, and love as we honor the dignity of all humanity. I am Rachel Cooley. I am the Director of Outreach and Family Ministries, along with our Director of Music, Julia Brown, and our Cantor, Paula Tibby. We are so happy to be leading worship here with you today. Ruth Olson and her family are taking vacation this week, so we wish them well, and she will be returning next week. Today marks the fourth week of our summer series titled Voices and Vision, and we are honored to have a very familiar voice with us today to preach and offer communion this morning, Dr. Jonathan White. Although he recently retired again, he has not gone far, and we are thrilled that he is with us again today. He took a time to come off the golf course to come with us this morning. Many thanks, as always, to Pat McGuire, who makes our worship service available to those of you online. Whether you are out somewhere in the world watching us or here live in the sanctuary, we're so happy to be together worshiping God this morning. Please note that this summer we have nursery. Please bring your little ones this summer and know that we have several options for them during the worship service. For those of you in person, please find the friendship register on the aisle and make sure that everyone in your row has signed it. Today is the one-year anniversary of the passing of our beloved Mayflower member, Thora White. Since there was no safe option to hold a memorial service during the height of COVID, this morning we are going to incorporate several of her favorite scriptures and music into the morning worship service. To tell you a bit today about the music, please welcome Dr. Julia Brown. Thank you, Rachel. So today we are including some of Thora's wishes. I had a conversation with her before she died last year. And uh, she had very specific instructions and wishes, and as you can imagine, yes. Um, And Les is here today, and he brought a photograph of her that's up front. Some of you have asked, why do we have a picture up here? He said Thora would want to be here listening to the music, so she's here among us. And I also want to welcome Thora's sister and her niece that are with us today. So the opening hymn, Joyful, Joyful, was on Thora's list. Um, She also wanted one of the choruses from the Brahms Requiem, so you will hear snippets of that during our communion time. And uh, she specifically asked for Paula Tibby, uh, a good friend of hers, to be here and sing uh, Charles Gounod's O Divine Redeemer. And this work, you have the text uh, written in your bulletin. Um, Charles Gounod was a French composer from the 19th century. He wrote opera, among other things, um, and also some sacred songs. And this is an example, like so many others, of life's profound beauty having roots in heartache and sorrow. So Charles Gounod in the late 1800s lost his son, his grandson, five years old, died suddenly 
and tragically. And shortly after he wrote this piece, he also passed away a few months later. Um, so the subtitle to O Divine Redeemer is Seen in the Form of a Prayer. <clears throat> it's a prayer for forgiveness, a plea for mercy, a supplication for strength, and a meditation on life. And although it's inspired by hardship and trial, it fills us with solace and with joy. Thank you, Julia. Well, it is July, and so we have a few activities going on this month within our congregation. On July 7th, the Mayflower Needlepoint Guild will be meeting. They are currently needlepointing Christmas ornaments that they will adorn a Christmas tree this season with. So even if you haven't joined them yet, they would love to have you be a part of that. On July 16th, the 49 and Up group will have a symphony serenade on the lawn of Bill and Susan Jones. There are only 20 spots available. So if you check the website and you're interested in that, you'll want to register. On July 18th, the Fries will be with us, visiting to us about Eden Village and what is going on. And during their time with us, we will be planning our sponsorship that will happen in October for the village. July 21st, on the front steps of Mayflower, we will have a humongous water slide that all of the kids in the neighborhood will want to come to and go down again and again. So please bring your friends and your neighbors and your grandkids, whoever would like to join us. So today we're going to begin our time of worship with Psalm 84. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, indeed it faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh sing for joy to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young. At your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God, happy are those who live in your house, ever singing your praise, Selah. Happy are those whose strength is in you, in whose heart are the highways to Zion. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper to the house of my God than to live in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. He bestows favor and honor. No good thing does the Lord withhold for those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, happy is everyone who trusts in you. Come, let us worship.
Please join me in the opening prayer. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint and strengthens the powerless. Even youths will faint and be weary, and the young will fall exhausted. But those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Amen. Good morning. We have two readings this morning. The first reading is from 1 John, chapter 1, verses 5 through 9, and can be found on page 862 in your Pew Bible, beginning with verse 5. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you God is light. In him, there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. The second reading is from Matthew, chapter 11, verses, 12 through, verses 20 through 24 and can be found in your pew Bible on page 689. Beginning with verse 20. Then Jesus began to denounce the towns in which most of his miracles had been performed, because they did not repent. Woe to you, Cherizen! Woe to you, Bethsaida! For the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon. They would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I tell you, 
It will be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon on the day of judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be lifted to the heavens? No, you will go down to Hades. For if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Sodom, it would have remained to this day. But I tell you that it will be more bearable for Sodom on the day of judgment than for you. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. It's like I never left. They couldn't get anybody on the 4th of July. I said I would come back later in the summer, but you're stuck with me. Let's pray together. Holy One, open our ears that we may hear. Open our eyes that we may see. And open our minds so that we can think and critically analyze to meet you where you come to meet us. This we ask in the name of the Christ. Amen. Well, the verses we heard this morning kind of take us to a different kind of Jesus. And we have to ask a question. Is Jesus the fiery prophet in the tradition of the Old Testament prophets? Or is Jesus the gentle Jesus that we learned about in Sunday school? Well, let's take a look at that verse. Now think about the way we could read this. Then he began to reproach them because they did not repent. Woe to you, Cherazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the deeds of power done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. That's Old Testament. What if we read that a different way? Then he began to reproach the cities because they did not repent. Woe to you, Cherizen. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the deeds of power done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. Some of you have had teenagers, and you know very well how difficult it can be at times to talk to teenagers. Don't you understand that you can't do that? That's how much I love you. Don't you understand? You can't do that. That's how much I love you. Well, is it the fiery Old Testament 
prophet? Or is it the gentle Jesus? It's both. Carl Jung, in his theory of personality, said that we have a persona. And the persona is our positive self. It's what we want to project. It's the way we walk in a room. It's the politician that is saying, vote for me and I'll set you free. It's the life of the party. It's the loving mom and dad or grandparent. It's the wonderful side of our personality. But Jung said we have another side of our personality and we try to hide that. He called that the shadow. And that is the side we don't want people to see. That is the side that we try to hide from people and we try to hide it from ourselves. That's the side that comes out when we're angry, when we're mad, when we're frustrated. I could say when we play golf. That is the side we want to hide. But there's a problem with that. When we try to hide that shadow, when we try to deny what we are, it will come out in very destructive ways. It will come out in a dysfunctional personality in messing up in our families and making bad decisions. It will come out in getting addicted. It will come out in ways that we can't control. It can't be hidden. It is part of us. In a wonderful, very complex novel, Haruki Murakami, in, a, in the book um, Hard Boiled Reality and the End of the World. I got that title a little bit wrong. This is what happens when you try to memorize your sermons. I was trying to get out Murakami correctly. He has two competing stories without naming characters. Even chapters tell one story, odd chapters tell another story. And one of the stories is about a guy who is simply referred to as the dream reader. He has come from our world, from Tokyo, into a city that has a wall. And the interesting thing is, once you pass that wall, you can't come back out again. And when you pass through that wall, the gatekeeper severs your shadow from you. So you walk inside the town and your shadow slowly dies. 
You are never whole again once you're in that town. The shadow calls you, but you can't answer. And the shadow fades. This is the 4th of July. People talk about history, and many times they're not really talking about history. We have historians in this congregation, and they'll be the first to tell you. If some things in history don't make you uncomfortable, you're not studying history. I love this country. I've risked my life for this country. I have patrolled streets as a police officer in this country to serve. I have watched my students serve and die on police forces. I have watched friends and family members in the military serve, go into harm's way, and sometimes not come back. My father told me that in every war the United States has ever fought, this is before the Iraq War, we have had a member of our family participate in one of America's armed forces. I love this country. This country is not perfect. I love the American flag. That is a symbol where we achieve freedom and strive. But it is not a blindfold that we put over our head and refuse to see reality. If we do that, our shadow will manifest itself in ways that we will be ashamed of. Holger Hopp, who studied at Universität Freitag and Cambridge University, received a doctorate in British history. He now teaches at the University of Pittsburgh, where he is the chair of British history. He has written a few really good books, and one great book is called Scars of Revolution. It's about the Revolutionary War, and it is a no-holes-barred, no-sad-story-ignored history of the Revolutionary War. We think of the Revolutionary War, like Kevin Phillips writes, as the Cousins' War. In fact, Phillips will argue that the English Civil War, the American Revolution, and the American Civil War are a continuation of the same war, pitting Presbyterians and Congregationalists against the Church of England. The Revolutionary War wasn't pleasant. 
It was savage. It was murderous. Armies trekked through towns and villages and massacred people who were on one side or the other. Prisoners were murdered. Prisoners sometimes weren't even taken. Study the Battle of King's Mountain and look what the Americans did to Major John Ferguson and the Tories. It was savage. And if we take the scales off of our eyes and look at that Revolutionary War for what it was, we see that savagery and we see why our founders tried so hard to control it. We see why they demanded religious liberty, not a religious country. We see why they put in limitations on power. We see why the government was designed to be ineffective. Because an effective government can take your freedom. If we don't learn the lessons of history, we end up with a demagogue or a would-be dictator, an intolerant person who will only serve the people who put him there. There's good news in this. What's the good news? God loves the whole person. Think about the stories we've heard over the years. The Israelites escaping from Egypt and moving to a promised land. And God getting angry with them, but Moses begging for the people. And God always does what? gives everybody one more chance. Think about the stories we've heard from the prophets. Repent. Turn from your wrongdoing. Don't do that. Because God loves you. Turn. And see that love. Your whole being, both your fasana and your shadow. Look at Jesus' words. Who gets in trouble with Jesus? Priests who have all the answers, who know the doctrine. Who does Jesus invite? Tax collectors, sinners, fallen women, soldiers, thieves on a cross. 
Look at the movement that engulfed the Western world and then spread to the whole world. Where Paul writes, we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the grace of God. But God stepped in to love us, to save us, while we were still sinners, both the persona and the shadow. Paul's words in Colossians, that great, powerful first chapter where we encounter a cosmic Christ that binds everything together. The cosmic Christ which establishes a creation. A creation that Paul says in Romans that longs to be saved. The first chapter of the book. God said, let there be light. And there was light. The best we can tell, that was 13.8 billion years ago. And boom! It exploded. And the cosmic Christ was everywhere in that creation. And God loved every subparticle, every quark, every rock, every planet, every star, every living thing, and every person. No exceptions. And God said it was good. We can bring our shadow with us. We can look at the shadows of our history and still get goosebumps when we see that plague or shed tears when we look at that Vietnam wall or see the Marine Memorial of Mount Sarabachi in the Battle of Iwo Jima. It doesn't mean we're perfect. It means we're just people. It means we have a positive side and a negative side. And God loves both. close with one of my favorite psalms. A verse from Psalm 139. The psalmist says, If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light around me shall become as night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as the day, for darkness is as light to you. So it comes down to a hymn that I heard so often as a boy in West Virginia. Just as I am, without one plea. Last week, I said goodbye to a dear friend as we 
placed her ashes beside the ashes of her husband. Last year, when I first assumed the interim position, I said goodbye to a friend whose picture is here beside me. And we remember her. And as I remember Thor White, and as I remember Jackie Sawyer, the words I pronounced over Jackie's ashes as she was interred are the same words I can give to you and I can give to Thora. Well done, good and faithful servant. In the name of God the Creator, God the Christ, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen. We give God praise for the opportunity to give. We acknowledge that all we have comes from him. Thank you for your generous support of the ministry of Mayflower Church.
Friends, we come to this table not because we must, but because we are invited. We come to this table not because we're perfect, but because we're human. We come to this table because this is, these are God's gifts for God's people. We come to this table because we are loved. So come from the east and come from the west. Come from the north and come from the south. Woman or man, young or old, Gentile or Jew, come to this table. This is the feast of God for the people of God. Come to this table, for all is ready. Let us pray. Holy One, as we experience your presence, we come to you just as we are. We come to you wanting to be better people. We come to you because we love you. We come to you because we have heard the call. We come to you because you invite us. So now, let us feel your presence. Let us know that you are here. Let us participate in all that is holy. And on this 4th of July, we thank you for those who stood on Concord Bridge or Heartbreak Ridge, for those who served at New Orleans or in the Chosen River Valley, for those who marched up San Juan Hill, who were weakened and miserable in the Mekong Delta, those who served in a storm in the desert, and those who serve in harm's way today. We thank you for our country. And we ask that you mend our every flaw and help us with self-control and liberty and law. We ask that we be that shining city on the hill. And now hear us as we pray together, saying, Our Father,
Let us pray. Come, Holy Spirit, anoint these gifts of bread and wine. Transform us, transfigure us, bring us to your presence. In Christ, amen. We remember on the night that he was betrayed, Jesus took bread and broke it and said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Ministering to you through the Holy Spirit in the name of the Christ, we share the bread. In the same manner, he took the cup and said, This is the cup of the new covenant, poured out for the remission of sins, ministering to you through the Holy Spirit in the power of the risen Christ. We share the cup. Let us pray. Almighty God, we thank you that you brought us to this table and that you refreshed us with these gifts of bread and wine. Now send us forth into the world as your children. And for us in particular this day, send us forth 
as Americans who believe in liberty and justice for all. And let us practice that as deeply as we practice Christianity. In the name of Jesus, amen. Friends, after that first communion, they went into the garden and they sang a hymn. And the hymn we are about to sing is not a hymn that Jesus would have known, but it is the 4th of July and Jesus is with us. Bless you and may God bless America.
Please be seated. You're invited to stay for the postlude. If you would like to leave, that's no problem. We just ask you to please leave silently and bring your conversations to the atrium. After the service, we would like to invite you to the atrium for fellowship and coffee. God, mend thine every flaw. Confirm thy soul in self-control. Thy liberty in law. Friends, you do a lot of projecting on pastors and think that we're a lot better than we are. Believe me, the shadow is long. And with my friend of history, Martin Luther, I will sin boldly and walk to that throne because there is one who pleads my case and pleads your case. So, go from this place laughing, dancing, and singing with joy in your heart. You are in the presence of God, and God will never abandon you, not even at the end of the age. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen.